to the Scuttlebutt on 89.1 KNSJ Disconzo, San Diego's only military radio hour, with your hosts, Maximus and Van, bringing you news, stories, and interviews from and for the military and veteran community of San Diego. Yes, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Welcome to the Scuttlebutt Show, our weekly program by and for the past, present, and future active duty veteran reserve and DOD civilian military community of San Diego. Of course, their families and anybody else who might be listening is also included in that. I am your host, Max Maximus Bloom. My co-host Van is not here yet. Hopefully he'll be here today. And we are here with our special guest, Jeff Engel. Jeff is an accomplished visionary global business leader who's experienced both in business and as an elite Navy SEAL has given him the skills to lead teams around the world. He's an entrepreneur, small business owner, executive of a large company, and knows how to create winning results. He'll be sharing some of that wisdom with us today. Jeff, thanks for being in the studio with us. Thanks for the opportunity. How did I do on my introduction of you? <laughs> good, good. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's really great to have you here. How was your, how was your day so far getting uh, over here and everything? It's been good. It's been, uh, every day is, uh, if you're moving the needle forward or, or rolling the, the rock up the hill is a good day. And, uh, and two, I had met with two people today uh, earlier and uh, just kind of reminds me of as, you know, both outside advisors. Um, and one is local and one was uh, on a phone conversation that happens to live uh, in the Midwest. And it's a good reminder of as veterans are transitioning, they need that support network. And that support network doesn't go away uh, the day you leave. I've been out since 98 and I still have a support network to make sure I'm there keeping me honest. So it's been a good day. Wow. So you've been out since 98. That's a whole nother career. Yeah. Uh, you just, I just called myself out as being old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so when you got out of the Navy in 98, what was that like? What was the uh, transition process that the Navy provided for you? Because we talk a lot about transition on this show. So when you got out of the Navy in 1998, what, how did, did you feel prepared? Did you feel like you had the tools you needed? Did you have a plan? What was it? Yeah, so yes, I had a plan. Um, and it was a very deliberate plan. And I think um, and I, it, it, made, it made a big difference because it was two years out. Uh, that I started planning. And so people ask me, what is the right time frame to start planning? And uh, I, I think the closer you get to the day you're leaving, the time you're running out. Because so for me, I, I knew I wanted to get out and join the business world. Um, and when I was getting out, I was a SEAL and I wanted to live in San Diego, but I knew I needed to have a different skill set because I didn't want to be just one of many. I needed something to differentiate myself. And so I went back to school, got my MBA and with the emphasis in supply chain. And the reason why I figured that out is halfway through the program, originally I was going to be emphasis in project management because it made sense. Navy, manage projects, it's something I can do. But then I went to the career services, and this was probably the biggest lesson learned. I went to career services halfway through um, getting my MBA, and I said, who's hiring and why are they hiring? And, and I focused on project management. And it was a couple of companies that I had never really heard of. I said, well, who else is coming here? And they go, IBM, HP. And a couple others. I go, why are they coming? I go, they're coming here for supply chain. So I, I focused my effort on who was hiring and why were they hiring, and then made sure my skill sets were qualified. So I would, so if I looked at my resume or my skill set, that I would, I would be one of the top candidates. And so that's probably what I'd recommend or what I talk to people about. You got to make sure you have the certificates or something that helps you speak the language that's relevant. I think um, I really like. I'll tell you why I really like what you just said. Because I think you're the first person to come on the show and say that you need to make yourself marketable, not that you are marketable already and you can do anything that you want, no questions asked. 
I think that was the most realistic uh, thing that's, I mean, not that it's unrealistic to say that you can be whatever you want. And, and if you work hard and put your mind to it, uh, you can achieve your goals. But also in the real world, you can just go out and look at what is already out there for you to be successful at and bring yourself to the point where you're the person for that job or that career. Yeah. So I think veterans and, and people in the military can do so much. And there's uh, a couple things that, that veterans do really well. I mean, one, you learn tenacity. So I think about when, when I used to jump out, of a, jump out of an airplane and do something. Once you jump out of the airplane, you're not going back and say, oh, by the way, I forgot my rifle or I forgot my pistol or I forgot my bullets or I forgot my food or I forgot whatever. Whatever you go out, if you forget all that stuff, well, you got rocks and the stick. That's what you got. But you have, that's what you got. You have to figure it out with what you have. And um, and the other thing I think the, the military do is, is that veterans learn is you learn how to learn fast. And I think that's key. And that's what makes whatever company you go into is your kind of your secret weapons, is kind of your, your tenacity. You can figure it out and you can learn fast. Um, but to get in the front door, you have to be able to speak the language of whoever you want to go work for. It doesn't matter if you're going to work for a big company like IBM or a startup. You have to be able to speak the language and understand who you're selling to. That is uh, something, yeah, we were talking about this right before we went on the air. Um, I, I've said on the show before a few times that I was at a dinner uh, with a, a buddy of mine, um, and he said, one thing you have when you get out of the military is you're trained to train. Mm-hmm. And then you said, yeah, you can learn fast. That's a better way to put it because what I, it's like when um, when I was going through some transition training with the Honor Foundation, I always talk about the Honor Foundation on this show. They They talk about speaking the right language. So you don't say, my sergeant or my chief, you say, you know, your manager, or your supervisor, you say, uh, my organization, not my squadron and not my platoon. You start learning those, uh, those business languages. Did you, um, you sound like you were prepared when you got out cause you had a plan. Did you find that difficult? Did you have a lot of slip ups with a uh, language or, or adjusting to a private workplace environment, especially coming from the teams? Yeah. So, um, I think, I don't care if you're coming from the military or you were coming from uh, a major, one of the big banks on Wall Street. If all of a sudden your job ends, you go through an identity crisis. I don't care how savvy you are. Um, and so you just need to kind of acknowledge that and then and then figure out what it is to do that. And so what, as we're talking, um, one of the things that, that I was my last year in while I was going through this transition, I don't think I, I ran any hiccups because I had time to adjust. I, I learn, adjust, but I was driving, I don't, are you familiar with Paul Mitchell hair care? Yeah, I am. So the founder, John Paul DeHorio, I was, uh, I had a chance to spend some time with him. It was, and I was driving him to the airport. It was kind of fun. Here was this guy who'd already built some great success and, and, uh, and I'm cramming him into my Honda Civic vinyl seats, no radio, uh, no air conditioning because at the time I couldn't afford it, uh, and and so, but the, the so I was a little embarrassed by what I was doing. But it doesn't when you're transitioning to veteran, what what you have is what you have. It's okay, and we had a very authentic conversation. And what he said to me is, "You can go do whatever you want because I'm running twenty different businesses right now. But you just have to learn the language, not and as you said earlier, not translate. Well, you're think of military terms, you really have to think and dream in that business language. And if you do that, you can be fine. You can be successful. 
She just has to have confidence to be able to speak that language. You're speaking French, speak French, I'm thinking French. So you, you come out of the service with a lot of the intangible skills that we were talking about, tenacity, that will to win, the improvisational, the leadership, the being led, but then you have to learn the hard skills. That's true too, right? right. You have to go into that new job and learn those hard skills. Right, and, and if I hadn't spent um, time in my time going to get my MBA, and in particular, there's really four classes I took that helped me with supply chain. If I hadn't taken those classes, I, I could have muddled through, but it gave me the confidence to figure out, I know when I'm on track, and I know what I know, and when it come to a problem, I would know, okay, I know 80% of this, I don't know the 20%. It gave me the tools. And so one of the things that, so I my MBA is a little old now, 98 again, showing my age. Uh, <laughs> But, but you always have to keep learning. So I was, for the last 10, 10 years prior to this current job, I was very heavily involved in consumer engagement within stores. So how do you get consumers to buy one more item? So very much brick and mortar focus. Um, but then I, I now switched over to what I'm doing now, which is Snack Tops, and it's around consumer engagement, but it is around the path to consumption. So once, you, once a consumer goes through the cash register and they pay for their food, at a quick serve restaurant or a convenience store is they now have to carry that food somewhere or they have to do something with it. But now, now they're thinking about how they can consume it. Where for retailers and convenience stores and quick serve restaurants, for them they've already kind of said, well, I'm already done, so I'm good. But they're not thinking about the consumer and what they have to do on the journey. Um, so I think you have to keep thinking about how it's going to be relevant. That's a... What an interesting like headspace to be in to think about that kind of stuff. I actually really enjoy those topics. I watch um a lot of uh, Shark Tank and the show The Profit. Mm-hmm. Where uh, I don't know if you've seen The Profit. This yep. guy, yeah, I love that show. I love that kind of consumer. I love the marketing side of it. I wanted to get into the um, the content creation for marketing, like making the videos and ph- photography for brands. Uh, I really enjoy that. My friend Mike, who's helping us in the studio, Mike Brown, is also uh, interested in that kind of stuff. And uh, what. We could probably spend a whole show talking about it. Uh, we have a lot of topics to get to, but I think that's key, especially for our um, cl- our, our guests. I almost say clients. Our guests who have been uh, business owners who own um, either uh, their content creators, or they own a gym, or they mm-hmm. own a barbershop, or they own a brewery. Uh, is what is the uh, what would you tell a veteran business owner in this space to if, if they're marketing themselves as a veteran business owner? What is how do you leverage that? What is the key to making the most out of that to engage with your audience? Yeah, I, I think it's um, if it's relevant to your audience, then you promote it. If it's not relevant, then you're wasting the conversation. Don't do it for the sake of it. Correct. And so I, I, I didn't really close out my thought. And I, my apologies for. Oh, earlier. sorry about that. No, 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 no. Uh, I didn't close it out. I gave you the spot, and I was and so um, so. I had to go back, so I knew the physical brick and mortar, but I didn't understand the digital side as well. So I went back and took uh, took courses through Coursera from the University of Urbana, uh, University of Illinois Urbana, and I took I took so they were complementary to my my digital or my my brick and mortar sales side, but it helped me work, round out my digital side from social media, consumer content creation, and really helped me be a better marketer from because consumers aren't either in the digital side or the brick and mortar side, they're in both. And much of marketing today is either you gotta focus on one or the other. That's not how the consumers are. And that's where, when I think about what Snack Tops is doing, 
people are just in and out. It's, it's their path that they're following and it doesn't matter. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. And so you've gotta figure out how to get in their path. And so you talk about, do you promote, do you promote being a veteran owned or being a veteran? If it's important to that consumer as they're going through that, their either their, their purchase behavior or their or something along that's dealing with their product, then absolutely. So if you're selling to the government, then it's relevant because there's there's the service disabled veteran owned companies, uh, th- those qualifications that you get. So if you're dealing with, with uh, Lockheed or, or other companies, they have earmarked money so that, that they try and find. So absolutely it's relevant. But there's, for my customers, um, they don't, they're not rewarded for doing gov- work with government uh, with veterans. So it doesn't come up in conversation. But those skill sets still are what make you successful. So only promote it if it helps you in the sales process. That kind of reminds me of what we were talking about offline before the show started about, uh, I asked you if you, how much you talk about your service. So I just got out of the Navy a few months ago, six months ago. Uh, and I talk about it daily, you know, and I have this show and I talk about it, but you said that you don't talk about it unless it comes up in some other way. Like if somebody asks you or if it's relevant to the conversation or in, in like an environment like this, I think that's really interesting because especially, uh, a, a really good quality that you're expressing there is that, that humble quality where you could go and say, Oh, I did this in the military and it was awesome. And I'm, and I'm great, but you kind of, you know, have moved on to your, your new life and your second you know, your next season of life, as our friend Scott Schimmel said last week, and you let you let your your work and your accomplishments now speak for themselves and get to know someone and let them assess. And then you don't kind of shove that down anyone's throat unless it unless it comes up some other way. Yeah, I, I as, as bad as it sounds like everyone says they want to care. No one cares. <laughs> and and I, I really don't I don't mean that to be negative. Some people do care. Uh, and for so I was actually at a customer potential customer last week. And, um, and I, so what I'll say is I say, oh, I was the Navy and that's it. I, I don't say that oh, I was a Navy SEAL because sometimes the conversation will deviate and then it becomes about me and has nothing to do with the product I want to sell. So I just wasted 10 minutes talking about my service when I want that 10 minutes to go sell them a product. And, and it was funny because uh, we were supposed to get into this room, conference room, and the door was locked and they couldn't get in, and then I said, "Hang on a second. And I and I basically broke into the room and got in. They're like, and one of the guys who goes, "Oh, you know this guy was a Navy SEAL." And I, oh gosh, I really didn't mean to bring that up, but but it's it goes back to you don't let things get in the way of you. If the door is locked, you figure out how to get. If you need to get to the other side, you figure it out, and you don't let the basic parameters, the basic barriers, say, "Oh, the rules. Well, you can't do this." Well. It's locked because someone didn't remember to unlock it. So go get, break down the door. Don't destroy it. But um, destroy it. <laughs> well, but if you want to do the business, you don't want to destroy the customer. But, but I kind of chuckled that everyone was amazed that I was able to pick the lock and, and get through it. And I was like, it's not that hard to get through doors if you've been taught how to get through things. You either go through them, over them, under them. But that's that's obstacles in life. I uh, I hope our audience sees what you're doing there. That is a a really beautiful metaphor for life you know <laughs> they're going through the door don't let the door stop you get through it you know that is that that's part of the intangible you know like that the veteran attitude is you know no matter what comes my way we're going through this this is a barrier that we're going to overcome one way through around under over we're, it's not going to stop us yeah i we were talking about it a little bit earlier and um so 
so I have I was talking to two advisors today and one of them kind of described the situation as well you're kind of the victim and I was like oh gosh that's a horrible adjective because uh, victim means and and he's talking to you yeah he's talking to me because I was kind of explaining something that we were working through and as soon as you start having those 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 negative adjectives victim fear and by the way I never used that term but he kind of explained that as I was so but that was a term that came up so as soon as you have those negative terms come up you need to figure out why is that and adjust and get over it because uh, victim fear are things that can paralyze you if you're not careful and so that's why I think it's important to have have a trusted advisor who's going to speak to you straight and tell you straight up what's working not working and are you really looking at the problem the right way so for a real quick we're about quarter way through the show for our listeners who might be just tuning in you're listening to the scuttlebutt show on 89.1 knsj and i'm here with my guest jeff engel former navy seal and now businessman business expert uh president and ceo of snack tops so we've mentioned snack tops a couple times do you want to tell us a little bit about that or uh, the business and uh you mentioned about the the consumer what's the journey after you have gotten the product um do you want can you just give us a little background on how you got involved what your role's been and uh and what your role in the future looks like hopefully yes um so and by the way if anyone has any questions after the show you can find me on linkedin and all that stuff so because i want to make sure we focus on the transition for veterans because that's what that's what your audience is about yeah i want to make sure we talk about that but snack tops came into and we talked about i was uh brick and mortar helped people sell some uh i was so the founder developed this developed this company. He had over thirty solutions at the time. We had forty different patents, which is a lot for a company. And since then, we've grown it to ninety patents on this packaging. It's all around packaging, of being able to hold your food and drink in one hand, and and so you can you can drink a lemonade drink with Sour Patch Kids on top, and that type of combination drives sales. And so from my background, um, I I knew that if you put two items that are similar affinity items together, you increase sales. So there's a reason why ketchup and mustard is next to each other. Because if you buy ketchup, you're like, oh, I need to get the, the mustard. And if you go into grocery stores, you see people are starting to do these meal solutions that are all bundled. Because if you bundle everything together, it's people may not always remember, I need to get milk, but if you put the milk next to cereal, which doesn't always work, <laughs> you start you start connecting these things through. So I was, I was reached out to the founder to come do this thing. And I was like, this is, for me, it was an, it was an obvious hole that no one had been filling. Because there's this, there's organizations talking about the path of purchase. The path of purchase, they, everyone thinks it's a full journey, but it's really the retailer or the or the quick serve restaurant, like McDonald's, when the, when the, when the cash register rings, they're kind of done mentally. Like we've just been rewarded. And, but the problem is the consumer still has to go enjoy their, their, their meal or whatever they're eating. And I realized that that people are no longer eating three meals a day. They're now eating, they're snacking five, seven times and it's on the go. And so I realized no one was attacking the market and this portfolio company had a ton of solutions that were all customizable. And so I realized that while it was new to the market, there was an, and no one recognized that it was a need, it was there. And so, so that's why I joined is I thought it was something that would, would work. And we did some early work at, at Yankee Stadium, uh, great results there. We've done some work at Dodger Stadium. We're doing work with uh, national and international or global quick serve restaurants. And the numbers just keep coming back. And it's funny because some of our customers have said they expect X. 
And when we run the test, we run it and start doing things, it's usually four times better than we expected. Four X sales? Yep. That's great. Yep. Congratulations. It, it's it's better than I expect. I originally when I started doing this, I think it was gonna be two X, but we've actually we've had some results that are four X. And so that's what brought me to this thing forward. But originally, I'm a hired gun. I, I really am a hired gun. And that's a when you say that, that's a a not something you just become. You have to achieve that, right? Like years of work and success make you that, right? Um <laughs> Uh, I like to think it was so success. <laughs> uh, um, I think because I've done a variety of things. So I, when I got out, I was a supply chain procurement guy, and then I became a software sales guy. So operations, supply chain, then how do you go sell something, and then I became a general manager. So I was running business units around the world. So I had a business unit in J- Japan, which is also a joint venture with Eon, which is the largest retailer in Japan. Uh, also did set up a business unit in Korea. South Africa, Panama, a couple in the U.S. And so for 10 years, I kept sitting on these business units and was accountable for a, rev- for a company that started out $400 million in revenue and we grew it to, to over $1.2 billion in revenue. So all those things helped me be set up so that I could be the hired gun, so I can come in and, and do these things. So could I have done this job 10 years ago? No. Uh, can I do it now? Yes, I, I like to think I can. Am I? Do I know everything? Absolutely not, which is why I have a trusted network to help me say, what, what do I know and what don't I know? Trusted network, right? Trusted network. Can you um, describe to me what that looks like for um, a veteran separating? Who should be, are there key players in the trusted network? Like, is it just people that you trust or is it people that you trust to also act in a certain role? Like, uh, like you, ha- you should have your own personal advisors. Uh, I've heard somebody right, said you should right. have advisors, people who will shoot you straight. Right. And uh, one thing that you've done so far in this show that I, all of our guests have done is no BSing. <laughs> we, we'll shoot you straight on the Scuttlebutt show. We'll tell you, if, if even if it's something you might not want to hear, if it's something bad, something difficult, whatever it is, you're going to hear it listening to our show. And, and you've kept in, in line with that. And I think that's great. Thanks. And, and uh, you mentioned the Honor Foundation earlier and that's where I so I, I pick one group that I that I work with uh, or I try and focus my efforts and so I'm I'm pretty heavily involved with them right now so I try and do two to three hours a week volunteering with the Honor Foundation because I have the ability to do it now and uh, so one of the cohorts that we're going through now they say gosh you you, you speak straight and you because uh, I have nothing to lose here you can and by the way my advice is free to you so it's worthless uh, because <laughs> it, you can either take it or leave it. And if it's relevant for you, great. If it's not, then so what? But at least it's relevant. Say it's not relevant to me. And if and if I'm just sugarcoating it for them or what I think, then it doesn't help them. And I'm not saying I'm right, but you've got it. But I'd rather be direct and shoot straight. And that's where I, I always look for people that are kind of my, and not kind of, that are in my trust network who are going to shoot straight with me. I may not always agree with them, but they're going to make me think about it. And I may I may disagree with them and think they're wrong 90% of the time, but if even if they're wrong, they're still making me think through and validate my responses or validate my thesis. So even the wrong answer is a great answer. Jason Torrey said it on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, Scott Schimmel said on the show last week is that the the people around you, you have to trust that they're going to tell you the truth. Right. The, the, the whole, like, exactly what's really going on. Yeah. It, and um, your boss, uh, people that work for you, 
if you're reporting to a board, the board, um, everyone has, uh, wants to act in good faith, but they have their own agenda. And so there's a sales process that I follow called Miller Hyman. And so anyone who's thinking about going to sales, Miller Hyman is great. Um, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Vince McFarlane, who's part of my network, who's the guy who taught me um, Miller Hyman, and he's absolutely the guy if you want to learn how to sell. Um, and and in that, he helped me understand that people have their corporate, their business objectives, but they also have their personal objectives. And you have to think about what this when you when you go into sale, how does that impact it? Because everyone wants to look like everyone wants to talk about well, I'm supporting this company. But if they're going to get laid off in a week, they're not probably not support as supportive as they would be, or or maybe they're distracted because someone a family member needs to needs to be somewhere again, because our life is is not all the same. I think that's one of the things I learned in coming that probably a little bit less and harder to learn is I think military veterans are sometimes not more dedicated for a cause than than people that are that have been in corporate America for a while, and that was hard hard to learn. Is and I think I still find that today is I'm still let's go I can see that I can see the light at the end of the tunnel let's keep going and then all of a sudden people start fading fading away like that's ah, kind of too much for me but but also you need to be able to recognize when something's dead it's dead you move on and so I've had a I had a business unit that I realized wasn't going to make it you shut it down if there's no way to get to the, to the final point where you can make money you need to shut it down and cut your losses as soon as you can because it can be a a total trap right if you just are too in love with it and then you follow it and as it spirals down and you lose everything. Right. So uh, that's, I think the reason, the reason I like kind of rolled on that one a little bit is because uh, you were talking before about talking about the transitioning veteran focusing on that, but I still feel like we are because there's a lot of people out there who have started businesses who've gotten out and then I, you know, they haven't worked out. I've seen guys have dreams when they get out that never come to be. And I've seen guys chase dreams into the dirt after they get out. Yeah. So so I think it goes back to one of the original questions I which we started talking about. What did I do to plan? It, it took me it took me two years to get my MBA, and during that time I transitioned and I was keeping able to adjust the plan. So I I knew halfway through the validation point was I could stand I stood a really good chance of getting a job at IBM and HP at the time. That was that was a great job because it gave me a skill set at a big company. Because if you go to a big company right away, you can always scale down to a smaller company. If you go to a small company, it's harder to go up to a Fortune 100 company just because they're like, well, you don't have the head supply chain or kind of le- thought leadership supply chain, et cetera. But, so there's, there's always those fits. Um, I, I think it's, I think, I don't know if that, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Actually, I wouldn't, it, I'm really glad that you said that because that's not what I intuitively would have thought. I would think, you know, I've, and I've heard this, uh, this, this sentiment has been shot down before by other people to me. Um, but the idea that you have to start small, uh, to work your way up, not necessarily true, right? You can start big if it's, if you're the right fit, if you can take on the challenge, there's no reason that you can't start big, right? Oh, I just had this conversation with someone last Tuesday at, at the Honor Foundation group. I was like, don't sell yourself short. Just make sure you give yourself enough runway. And so if if you want to go be a doctor, then figure out how to be a doctor. I, I don't, so so this this one lady that I was speaking with, she's um, she's she's enlisted and, and I almost feel like, because she thinks she's enlisted, she can't go be a doctor. 
you, you have your you have a degree, right? Well, then why can't you go to med school? It, even if she if, even if she's enlisted and she needs to go to undergrad first, why can't you do that? So, one of my startups I worked at, um, it was it was a software company that was around the science of combinations, combinatorial science. Top ten people in the world, eight of them were tied to this company, in in this discipline. Just ton of brain power. I so really smart people. But I also there was a gentleman Matt in my platoon who was an Intel guy. Um, I have no idea what his what his degree was, but he was enlisted. Um, he was as smart as these guys with their PhDs. And so for people to transition from the from the military, I don't want you to ever think that your rank has put you into a into a level of where you should or shouldn't be. There are some really smart people who are who don't get in the military or don't give themselves enough credit. You can go do whatever you want. Yeah, we had a guest on uh, Rob Sweetman mm-hmm. who was going through the THF program. He uh, was enlisted always, a uh, team guy, and he had his degree the whole time. Mm-hmm. And now he's building, working on a um, a sleep device for people with sleep disorders. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of taking that on as his his uh, attacking that project that 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 uh, problem. Yeah, my my. My advice to anyone getting out is don't sell yourself short, because um, there's there's a lot you can do. You just have to you just have to figure out the plan, learn fast, and uh, do it. But you have to give yourself enough runway. So you talked about earlier about running something into the ground. If you can't figure out, there's a pretty good piece on from McKinsey called the Consumer Decision Journey. If you can't figure out who your customer is and, and why they're going to buy, then you probably need to figure out and and are you going to get enough volume in that of revenue that supports what you want to do? If you can do that, great. But if you can't figure that out, then you're barking up the wrong tree. If you can't figure out who's going to buy and how much they're going to pay and how legit customers are really going to buy and you, ha- and you haven't tested it in the market, I challenge you if it's really a good idea. I'm glad you said that because that was one of my next questions for, uh, for a veteran who's thinking about has a business idea or a product or maybe I know a lot who are uh, brewing beer or mm-hmm. distilling. Um, who want to get into selling that. So real quick, before we go into this next subject, we're halfway through the show. I want to thank everyone who's listening out there on uh, 89.1 KNSJ. If you're just driving around and found us on the radio, we're the Scuttlebutt Show. My name is uh, Max Maximus Bloom, and I'm here with my guest, uh, Jeff Engel. We're on every Friday from 3 to 4 p.m. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Scuttlebutt Show, and we have all our episodes, uh, including this one, will be on later this evening, on available on iTunes and Android to listen to and replay. So thanks for tuning in, uh, Jeff. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. So you had just you had just brought it up, but let's say you're a you're a veteran getting out, and you have that business idea, that big idea, or the the, the product. Um, what is the re, do you have any recommendations? That was one that you just gave on what you can research or what you can do uh, to kind of validate your own idea. So I think um, Sean Haggerty from Protector Brewery did did something that was pretty savvy. So uh, we do have an episode. If you guys want to listen to uh, the Sean Haggerty episode, you can go find that on season one of our program. Great. Um, what he did, one, he spent his time, he, he had the runway to do it. So he had money saved up so he could so he could get through the, the, the phase of ramping it up. And the other thing is he, is he partnered with someone who had experience in the space. So what Sean's, and by the way, uh, when you're on deployment, not a whole lot of experience with brewing beer, uh, especially if you're in the Middle East. You're just not going to be able to brew beer there. But he figured it out. 
And but he also partnered with someone who had experience in the space. And so when you get when you when you the best chance for success is partner with someone who's already done it, because he or she's going to bring some outside experience or experience, and you're going to bring something different. And don't and don't just think because he or she's been the resident expert in that space that you're not going to bring value to the conversation. You absolutely will. Sean's a great example of something of growing this brewery and making it work. And and. I mean, it's it's a brewery that serves organic beer. I mean, who would have thought of that? But it's working, and so he's he's serving a niche. He's serving something that's on trend, and it's relevant. He figured out something that's relevant. Yeah, he yeah he definitely has an audience. That's for sure. And if you guys are wondering what we're talking about, Protector Brewery is up in Miramar, um, just north of MCAS Miramar, and they serve completely organic beer. So. That means that the ingredients that they use are certified organic. They source their uh, their brew, everything that they brew into the beer, all the flavor, all the flavors, the hops and barley, all that is from uh, organically sourced farms, and they abide to extremely strict standards to make that happen. And their beer is, in my opinion, delicious. Also, he brought some on the show, and we got to taste it. So, uh, so he picked organic, right? And that is uh, a very popular thing right now. Um, what? What do you think about that? Is is uh, got people so so excited? Like, why is that so important right now? You're saying organic. Organic. Or, um, I would say it's less important about why it's there. I think it, it's there, and so as a business guy, it's less for me to to qualify. Um, I'm going to backtrack. It's important to understand how big how big the size is, and if it's on trend, is it a fad or is it something that's gonna it's gonna last? It's going to last because it's about improving your health. And everyone's become more situationally aware of their health. Uh, the internet caused all this influx of news. So what we originally thought was okay, uh, maybe it's changed a little bit. So everyone wants to live healthier. They want to live longer. And so if you, if you live longer, you want to make sure you can still function mentally and physically as you get older. Because who wants to be stuck in a wheelchair for 25 years uh, because you haven't eat, eaten well enough? So... Um, it reminds me, there's a gentleman who, by the way, is in a wheelchair, and um, he's running a spine company. And I think about him because here's this guy that everyone says, hey, it's too bad that he's in a wheelchair. And I see him the exact opposite because he's doing, um, he's doing something with catheters on for people that are paralyzed. So I'm like, Wow, everyone's like horrible for him. I'm like, wow, he's, I want to go work with him because he's a test bed because he knows the real problems and how to solve it. So veterans have all these unique perspectives of how, of how something's done. And so everyone has, and this, veterans bring unique perspectives. And that's what, when I was working at IBM, I had a different perspective than someone else. When I did my first, when I was doing my startups, different perspective. And it's, and it doesn't, different doesn't, isn't necessarily bad or good. It's just different. And when you start combining different ideas, you can find the right solution. So, we talked about this a little bit earlier about organic. Why is it important? It's about health, but it's on trend, and it looks like it's something's going to last. If you can find trends and you can catch them early enough, you can you can go do it, and you can jump on it. But you don't. It's like Bitcoin. You don't want to jump it at the end, because you if you if I if I bought when everyone started talking about it, I would have been I would have lost a lot of money in it, um, and I didn't understand it well enough to invest. But if you understand the space well enough. And you can understand, you can have a, a relevant conversation with someone about it, then then you should, should consider going into that space. But you've got to be something on trend and timely. We've got a yeah, we've got another one uh, 
Good Times Barbershop down at IB. Um, I want to talk about that in a minute, but I, I do want to ask you, because um, we only got 20 minutes left in the show and it, the time disappears. Uh, you're very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you're always posting great content and you're communicating with people and you, you've written articles on LinkedIn. Um, and I actually have a buddy at work right now who is applying for a job and via like the LinkedIn job posting, um, uploading like a resume to it and all that stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about if you, let's say you're in the military, but you know, you're getting out that time's coming, whether it's retirement or separation or whatever it is. Uh, when is the right time to market yourself on LinkedIn as a professional? Um, and how can you, how important is it to leverage it? And what is the best way to leverage it? Yeah. As soon as you know, you're getting out, get on LinkedIn. Um, for me, uh, if I were in now and, and I knew I was going to stay in for the 10 more years, uh, in, in the teams, I would not be on LinkedIn. There's no reason to be on a business network. I'd even consider not being on Facebook from the standpoint of you're starting to expose who you are and what you do because of the line of work. But, um, that's my former life. So my life is business now. And so LinkedIn is the social media platform for business. So 80%, if you're selling B2B, you need to be on LinkedIn. 80% of social media traction or traction on social media channels for business comes through LinkedIn. And so you need to be on that platform if you're, and, and like anything, it takes, it's a little bit of a learning curve to get used to it. So if you know you're getting out two years from now, or you know you're getting out six months, get on there. And if, and even if it's bad, get on there, Get your picture on there and start learning and then start getting your network up. You don't want to be the person with only five five contacts. You want to be on there, start building your contacts up. And it's okay at first if it's just military people, but it gets you used to doing stuff. And LinkedIn has a ranking system for your posts. So when you post something, if you get a like on your post, it's one point. If they make a comment, it's two. If it's a share, you get three points. And so all these points go into an algorithm that helps promote your content. Um, and so I think it's, it's as you're, it's, I don't have a ton of views, a ton of or people on connections. I have about 4,400 uh, people on my LinkedIn network, but I focus to keep them relevant to what I'm doing. So what I like to have 100,000, it doesn't help me any more than 4,400 because my, my niche is uh, the top 50 QSRs uh, and the in convenience stores that are over a thousand, it's a, and it's only four or five people each one. So in a handful, all those people, there's probably about five hundred people that that I'm targeting. So for me, it's getting those right people in that network and creating a conversation that's authentic. And so you need to figure out how you connect with the people on there that you want to do business with, and it's either find out, learn about the company, or or something else. But there's a ton of information on LinkedIn to either go sell to, or if you're trying to go find a job, connect into that and find out more about that job to find out about the culture find out about other people there are, find other veterans there. So you can reach out to them and say, I'd like to learn more about this company that you're with. What do you think? Um, it, it's it's a really powerful tool and it extends out where you have your friends that are around you. It extends that network to, to people that you wouldn't normally connect with. Very powerful. One thing about LinkedIn that I notice um, with my buddies who are still active duty is I don't know how this is so lost on the military community, but people will ask... Um, is LinkedIn actually a real thing? Like, do people use it? Is anybody like listening to what's happening on there? And the answer is a hundred percent. Yes. So, uh, when I was, um, getting out and I applied for a job, I emailed the hiring, the HR person, uh, saying, Hey, I'm really interested in this job. 
uh, I put in an application. I just wanted you to know who I am uh, when when that goes through. And it, I found her name on the on the job posting as the person in charge of it. Found her on LinkedIn, emailed her kind of like a cover letter style uh, email, and I got a follow up right away from her. It was really positive uh, interaction. I hope that was a good move to make as far as like business interaction goes. I just gave I just told someone uh, that I worked with who's applying for a job like yeah. Putting your resume through LinkedIn and then email the HR person and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm extremely interested in this position and uh, I put my info in. Love to hear more from you about it. Yeah. So there's a saying from a gentleman I used to work with, friends don't fire friends. And uh, the hiring manager is a person also. Crazy as it sounds, even though you're going through a digital platform or you're applying online, they're a person and they, they're going to want to hire someone that they can have a kinship with. And... LinkedIn is that vehicle that if you're not on the phone or you're not meeting person to person, it's another way to create a relationship and conversation. So one of the gentlemen I was speaking to today, uh, Chaz Horn, who um, is one of my advisors, one of the people that keeps me honest, he and I met on LinkedIn, 100%. And uh, he told me a little about what he was doing and uh, and I kind of watched him for a little bit. And, I, and, and if he had, if he had, talk to me early on about what he was doing, I would have said no. He, but he built the relationship first on LinkedIn and I started seeing what was doing, what was happening and I connected with someone else who happened to be working with Chaz and it was because of that testimonial from a lady by the name of Julie that, that I reached out to Chaz and okay, let's let's figure out how we make this, create this, solidify this relationship. But he's he's one of those ones that uh, is on straight and, and I met him 100% through LinkedIn. I've never met the guy face to face and we're not, We've, we've seen each other on video, like we know what each other looks like, and um, he knows what the wall looks like behind me in my office, uh, as I do behind his, but we've never met face-to-face, but we honestly have a relationship um, because of LinkedIn, 100% because of LinkedIn, and that is it. It's a real thing. Yeah, if, you are, uh, if you're out there and you're a, a veteran, and you're, if you're already out of the service and you want to get into the business world and you haven't gotten on LinkedIn, I think it'd be valuable to take a look at it. Um, absolutely. And then if you are planning on getting out, it's, I don't know, here, I, I guess what I would say is uh, hop on LinkedIn and search for people who are in the space you want to get into. Right. And you could even, this goes back to kind of the 50 cups of coffee. There's, if, there's a very great article. If you Google 50 cups of coffee, a great article that I learned about when I was in the Honor Foundation um, about approaching people who you either view as peers, people you admire, people in the space you want to get into, whatever, or any, and for anybody for any reason. And just say, hey, I'd like to buy you a cup of coffee sometime, talk to you, ask you some questions about what you do. And those relationships that you build doing that can be so valuable. I know when I was, uh, this is b- actually before the Honor Foundation, I thought I wanted to get into the marketing space, uh, which I which I still do enjoy, but I've kind of got myself into it in a different kind of way uh, with the content creation stuff. The list, uh, my listeners know I do like some video production uh, side jobs. And I went around and I called and visited the major marketing firms in San Diego saying, hey, I'd just like to come in and like see what a day in the life is like. And I got a really great response and I went to a bunch and uh, they let me come in, sit down. I met these people. I stayed in touch, went out and had coffee with them, went out and had beers, um, just got to know them, saw what that was like and, re- and decided, is that, is that for me? Is that me? You know, and I think everyone should be doing that with whatever you're thinking that you're getting into. Yeah, I especially if you're going through programs like THF or you're going through transitions is you can open, you say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a transitioning veteran. I like to have a cup of coffee. People will, people will open up their doors for that. 
And if you ask 10 people and you only get two, well, you got two. If you hadn't asked 10, you wouldn't have gotten the two. Chances are you're gonna get way more than two. Um, and by the way, I'm probably not supposed to talk about this, but you do create great video content. So if anyone's looking for oh, the content, uh, look up Max. And there was that is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> it's just testimony from seeing thank the you. work and thank having you very much. Done. So, uh, but but absolutely, you. So one of the things working for a big company is you get isolated in your own world, and that was probably the biggest lesson I learned is when I was at my last company, which was 400 to, to over a billion in revenue. Is I was very isolated, focused on a few customers, the the eight clients I had, um, eight, eight, excuse me, eight business units I had, and 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 I didn't do anything outside of that network. Going to the coming to Snack Tops in the last two and a half years was where I've really been expanding networks, involved with groups called part like Life Lounge San Diego and and the Honor Foundation. So you need to get out and do things that aren't part of your normal wheelhouse. Because even if you're giving back to groups like the like like I do for the Honor Foundation, I probably get more out of giving to the Honor Foundation than I do, than I than I, I probably receive more than I than I give. And the standpoint of even though I'm the one sitting down with having a conversation with them, and uh, or helping veterans think through what they're trying to do, or think about why are you, why you're asking for it, or if they're trying to do a startup, like is there is there a real value in what you're trying to do, and so. While I'm giving probably 58 minutes of in an hour conversation of content that's helpful for them, there's two there's two minutes of nuggets that I get because they ask me a question or they make me think about something that's not related, but they think about something that's, that I'm doing in business that helps to make me like, oh, I didn't think about the problem that way. And so, I think it's really important to give to give give back and give and give and give because that's where the true reward is, and that's where you've got to go build the network outside. And you've got to give back because while it looks like I'm giving back to CHF, and I am. I'm getting something out of it selfishly. So, that's so. If you're listening and you're a uh, somebody who might be thinking, "Oh, could I be a good mentor?" What is there any path for someone who maybe doesn't have access to the Honor Foundation or uh, or or any or, like there are other programs out there that everyone can access that are in San Diego. But you you said something really key, which is you get more out of mentoring and giving back then uh then maybe sometimes you feel like you're giving you know and i i would think anyone out there who feels like they have something to offer should try to take on that role as well and find some way to give back like i found um meetup groups right. i've recently been doing meetup groups meetup.com right and uh i've met some really great people and found some really great groups that i can go be a part of uh through that and i've learned about so many other veterans organizations uh in southern california that are also giving back and helping people out yeah, i think those are those groups are, are great. You just need to pick the, the one or two you're doing so you become so you can focus on those and not become so thin that you can't you can't do them all. Yeah, I have a bad habit of that. I yeah. spread myself thin. I don't. I, I challenge on you. I challenge you to say is it a bad habit or are you because if you pick one or two and you stuck with it, there may be ones that are better out there. So you should have your core, but then always go out and test other ones because you may. And this is doing startups. You have your original idea, but then you keep trying to improve on it. And so if you have a supply chain process or an ops process or a way of, like for us, the way a package is designed, great, that's the starting point. But as you start having customers use it, look to see how you can make it better. So if you have your, your meetup groups, your other groups, you have two that you're working on, but go test others to see, is that better and should replace this new one? And so, I, so I'm working with, when I work with social media companies, the current one I'm working with is great, but eventually they're gonna cap out at the level of they, how 
how they're going to do it. So you want to go to the next level. So like in two weeks, I'm going to go see uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, a part of Gary uh, VaynerMedia. And so I'm doing that because um, because I know at a certain a year ago my company wasn't ready to ready to be there, but we're ready to be there now. And so I'm going to go I'm going to go out there and spend some time with his team uh, and Gary and figure out how do we help take things to the level. So you have to keep improving or working the next level up. So absolutely. So I'm challenging you. You're not spreading yourself thin. You're finding the best two, and then when you're ready, you go to the next one. Okay, thanks. That is, I'll take that on because I've been kind of hard on myself lately about that. Like, man, I do all these. I do so many. I'm trying so many different things. I have so many different groups now. Uh, why am I doing this? You know, and that's a good. Re- maybe that's the reason why, and I haven't realized it yet because I'm still looking for the right ones. Yeah. If if you're not in the right one. Go to it two or three times to figure out to make sure it's right. And if you can't find some tangible value, it's okay to say it wasn't the right one. It's just like starting a company. Try it, start working. But as soon as you recognize it's not working, it's okay to shut it down. It's not, it's not, I think too many times people tie their ego to to their company, which by the way, I did that for a long time. Um, because if you're, I don't know if men are worse than women, but if you think about it, if you lose a job, like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's a I've failed business is, is nothing more than a game it's and I, I use it's like kickball there's 21 people that are lined up want to play two team captains and they pick 10 each and there's one person didn't get picked does it mean you're a bad person no it just means you didn't get picked and by the way one of the when the teams play one of the teams is gonna lose business is just a game don't take it personal figure out how to win and if you can't win do it over again if your business idea is not working, stop it and move on to the next thing. And that doesn't matter if it's a big company or a small company. It's the same thing. It's only a game. That's that's really good. It's like um, it, it goes back to the idea of uh, finding your tribe, which mm-hmm. is something that when you're a, tra- a transitioning veteran, it's really a str- – it's maybe the thing I've heard echoed the most is finding your tribe, finding your people that you're going to yeah. connect with afterwards. Yeah, I think that's um, – so one of the things that I did when I left left the teams is I cut off all contact with them. Wow, that is yeah. I literally that's I, something, and I only reengaged with the community in the last four years. And the reason why I did that is because if I knew if I stayed connected, I would want to go back in because the kinship was too strong. Um, the Basically, the kinship was too strong. It just you knew you knew people that were in your in your platoon were, were going to do what they wanted to do. You knew that they always had your back, even even if you didn't like the guy, you knew he had your back. Um, and so so I, I knew as I learned pretty quickly in the civilian world, it's not quite the way it is, but that's okay. You have your family, you have your close friends. That's that's what the kinship is. That's not go back to. Work is just it's just a game, and, and don't. But so, but I knew if I didn't take a complete break, I'd go back in, and I didn't want to be half in. I needed to be all the way out or all the way in, and so that's why I made a clean break. And then when I when I knew I was too old to get back in, I knew I could start reengaging. So wow, that's a, I don't know, that's that's really amazing. That's a tough thing to do. Um, we had a Jason Tushin on mm-hmm. the show a few weeks ago. Good guy. He a uh, great guy. And then I was really privileged that I got to hear him speak a few days later at an event. Um, and he on the show he said uh, 
He said, I got out because I was getting too comfortable and I wanted to be uncomfortable. Right. So when he talked about getting out, he said, he said, look, I have this, look at where I've come to look at where I am. I have all this power. I, 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 I can just look out the window at the beach, walk down, do whatever I want, but that's too comfortable. So he decided to make the decision to get out while he was still in love with it. And it sounds like, you know, you had that too because of the, the brotherhood, the kinship right. where you wanted to go do something else and you made yourself uncomfortable. You left the, you left your blankie, you know, <laughs> and went out into the, into the dark, cold, uh, world of business, right? Not maybe you had an MBA and you kind of had an idea of what to do, but you didn't really know what to expect, which goes uh, back to what you you know, you're talking about. No, two points. MBA was only, was only done just to get qualified to get, to get the job. So it, it didn't, it made me smarter to be able to speak the language. That's it. You can do that certificate program. So people ask, should you get your MBA? Only if it helps get where you need to go and it's a qualifier. But Jason's a good example. So Jason and I were at, at Team 3 together. Uh, I hadn't seen him in 15 years. And I saw him four weeks ago for the, for the since. And I walked up to him. I was like, hey, do you remember me? I'm Jeff. He goes, yeah, of course. And that's a prime example of the kinship is even though it had been a really long time, we were we were never in the same platoon, but we were at the same team together, we still knew each other. And uh, and that's, I think, what's what for me, that I knew if I didn't make a complete break, I would always just be hanging on and saying, I wish I had done that. And so I, I would have almost had a victim mentality, like, woe to me, I should have never gotten out. And so you've got to be careful about um, overcoming those fears because it, it is fearful. You got to make sure you address fear. I should write. I keep thinking I'm going to write an article on that. But you should address fear, acknowledge it, and figure out how to overcome it. And um, and if someone says you're a victim, address it and figure out why they call me that and overcome it. Any negative adjective, address and overcome it. And by the way, so people say, um, so someone said, well, maybe I'm flexible all this stuff. No, no, no. You, you need to address all the negative adjectives. And acknowledge them and get past so you get so you really truly move to the things to do and don't, and don't use the fluffy words to make you feel better no if you're fearful address it, it it's something i haven't explained before is uh, i almost didn't go to seals because i was afraid of heights i was petrified of heights and it's very common yeah so um i, I was so bad that the day before like a week before jump school i was running i was with the, uh paul guyverson he doesn't know this but i, I was uh, i was running and as we were talking about this, my legs were almost buckling as I was running because I was so fearful of it. Um, but I was like, heck, I'm a frogman. I'm not going to quit now. I'm, I'm, I am not going to be the guy that freezes in the door. And after that, I learned, to, I learned to like it. But it was, but my fears almost prevented me from doing what, what I really wanted to do. And that's going to happen in life. You're going to come across fearful things. You've got to overcome those things. You've got to address them. The, I don't know if I've ever said this. We only have about three and a half minutes left. Thanks for everybody who's been tuning in to the Scuttlebutt Show on 89.1 KNSJ. You can find these episodes all on the uh, iTunes and Android podcast app. Um, and Jeff Engel, thanks for being here with us today. We never have enough time on this show. I'm working on getting another hour for the show. But I don't know if I've ever said this on the air, but the very first episode we ever did on my little, if you look in the studio, I have a little countdown with seconds on it, counting down the seconds. And it it goes 10 seconds till we're live broadcasting on FM radio throughout San Diego. And I thought to myself, how do I get myself into this stuff? And why won't I stop doing it? And uh, and I was like, hands were shaking. Uh, I was like, am I even going to be able to talk when that thing comes on? And as soon as it started, 
loved it and I love doing it. I hope, I think I'm, I'm certain people are getting a lot out of it and I'm really glad that I'm doing it. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, to, so, to kind of echo you, when a lot of times those moments that make you want to freeze, if you move through them, what's on the other side is better than you could have ever hoped for. Right. And, uh, and it's all about just, just facing it and, and saying no. And to tie back to the military thing, you've done it so many times in your career just from the moment you joined the military and got on the plane or, got, or s- took the oath. You've conquered these fears and these, these walls that have been put in front of you and you go through them and through them and around them and over them and under them. And you don't stop. You don't let anything get in your way. I wish I had just, and I hope I hope someone just captures what you just said about how you were fearful, and even up to the split second, you're like, "Oh no!" And then it happened, and you're and you're like, "This is great," because um, that's really powerful. And even if it hadn't been great, you still could have said, "I tried it." I have I, the, the worst thing to do is be 65 and look back and say, "I have regrets because I didn't try it." You've got to try it. Yeah. So kudos to you. Yeah. If. Uh it, and and for everyone listening, it's not about the, anyone in the military who's, who's faced, you know, that that life will tell you that it's not that they're not afraid; it's that they do it anyway. Right. It's not about not being afraid of it; it's that you do it anyway. Yeah, I also think it's it's because um, fear can be paralyzing. It is paralyzing, but if you break it down and and truly acknowledge what it is that you're fearful of, then okay, do this. Three seconds, I just got to push through, and then you're you're through it, or or what, or or you just have to turn the key, and you're through it. But if you if you start breaking down the fear level, then you can get you can work through anything, really anything. Um, so I, I wish I really I want to say it again. I wish someone I, I hope people from that are transitioning heard you say that how you were nervous, you were scared before you did that because you I've seen you do a couple things uh, in the last year that I've been really impressed with and is as a someone who's been out for a while I take it for granted but you're you, you're out recently and you're pushing the boundaries on a lot of things which is which is outside the wheelhouse of what you did when you were in the in the military I think it's important thanks Jeff uh, thank you very much I really mean that um, it's been a pleasure knowing you the last year since we met back in the Honor Foundation mm-hmm. uh, and I'm really glad that we did so we've got 15 seconds left hey I just want to take this Last little bit of time to tell our listeners that we have some really awesome stuff planned for the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited. It's going to be a surprise, but I'm, I'm pumped for it. Jeff, thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you. Our uh, theme music should start playing here any second. Uh, I'd love to have you back another time. Thanks for listening to The Scuttlebutt on 89.1 KNSJ Desconzo. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Scuttlebutt Show and on Twitter at Show Scuttlebutt.